Well, let's get you started. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up. If you are reading from your cell phone, you can lift that too. Uh, Samsung 8 a little higher than iPhones. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, still talking about grace in the marketplace. Amen. Someone say grace, grace. in the marketplace. marketplace. Uh, there is a grace that is available for us as God's children to go into the marketplace and do exploits. Amen? Amen. And uh, I was saying in the early service, uh, you know, the Christian life is for the most part been a dualistic kind of life where you come to church on a Sunday and then on Monday, you start doing your thing until Friday, and then next Sunday, you are back in church, and Monday, again, you do your thing. But God never intended for it to be dualistic. He wanted for us to live a holistic life. What does that mean? That means when you come to church on a Sunday, God wants some of that to spill over into your Monday, into your Tuesday, into your Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday. Amen? And uh, today, we want to... Uh, move right along from where we started, and uh, we're going to have a quick recap of some of the things we talked about. First Peter chapter number four, verse ten says, "As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." We discovered that God has given all of us a gift that we can take into the marketplace and make a difference. Amen. <clears throat> So there is no one who was excluded. The Bible is very clear. God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, God does not show partiality or favoritism. He treats all of us the same. And all of us received a gift from God. I don't care who you are. You know, your parents may think you're an accident, but not God. God says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I gave you a purpose, or I called you to a specific purpose. And for most of us, or for some of us, our purpose is to make a difference in the marketplace. Yep, Matthew chapter number 25, verse 14. We've been dealing with some of the principles you need to make a difference in the marketplace. Just touch your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Matthew chapter number 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents. Notice he delivered unto them his goods, not their goods. The first place for a faithful steward is to realize that what you have is not yours. It belongs to God. Even in giving, you know, David was giving to God at one time for the building of the temple. And after he had given so much, he turned around and he said, but who am I, Lord, that I can even give to you? Giving you something that is already yours. See, when you have a mindset of a steward, giving is not a problem. Because it's not even yours, right? I think what we're going to do one of these Sundays is to ask you to give from your neighbor's wallet. Man, it will be easy to give. You know why? Because when you give from your neighbor's wallet, you're not thinking about rent. 
You're not thinking about life. Man, people will be, people will be big givers on that day. They'll be giving up all your money, your business cards, pastor, whatever you want, Lord, have it. <laughs> you know why? Because it's a mindset of a steward. Amen? So he delivered unto them his goods. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to one uh, he gave one. To every man. Someone say to every man. So everybody got something. Amen? According. Someone say according. <laughs> now, this is in proportionate to. He says he gave away these talents according or in proportionate to their several ability. God gives the gift, but we have to develop the ability to work the gift. So the problem is we want God to give you the ability to sing and then also God for him to learn the lyrics. No, God will give you the gift, but you have to learn how to sing. Okay, moving right along. Every man according to their several ability, and straightway took his journey. Go to verse 19. After a long time, the Lord came and to the servants and reckoneth with them. So the Lord came to reckon, to have a reconciliation. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five. And saying the Lord to the Lord, you have delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more. His Lord said unto him, well done. You good and what? I didn't hear that. He says, you good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over what? You've been faithful over what? A few things. Now, I will make you ruler over what? Many things. See, I wish I could just come and say 2017 is a year of promotion. Get this bumper sticker, put it on your car. Everybody getting promotion. I wish I could do that, but it violates this principle. He said to those who have been faithful with the little, I will make them ruler over much. So he seems to suggest that those who tap into this realm of promotion have been faithful with something. Man, I wish I could just lay hands on your promotion. <laughs> and then you fall down and you get up and you are a CEO. <laughs> I wish I could do that. But I'll be lying to you. The truth of the matter is you have to be faithful with the little. Yeah. I wish I could just have an anointing for ownership and release it. And everyone owns a home. But here's how the anointing of ownership comes. Are you looking after the house you are renting? Like it's yours. Because he says, if you cannot be faithful with that which belongs to another man, he is not giving you that which belongs to you. Man, if you're printing all your syllabus and all your books using company stationery, that's not faithful. Okay, let's leave that alone. Let's move on. Verse 24, so the one who received two came back with two, and the same thing happened to him. Verse 24, then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not strawed, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. Lord, there you have it. And his Lord answered and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not sowed, Thou oughtest to have, therefore, to have put my money to the exchanges or the bank, and then at my coming, I should have received my own with usury or with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him 
and give it to him which has ten talents. Evidently, Jesus is not uh, uh, Robin Hood. He says, take from the one that is one and give it to the one that is ten. And here, when we are dealing with talents, I want you to know he's not talking about talents as in gifts, as in, you know, I'm a singer, I'm an artist, and things like that. Because that would contradict Romans 11, verse 29, that says the talents and the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So when God gives you a gift, he doesn't take it back. When he's talking about talents, a talent is a unit of measurement. uh, Considered to be averagely around 23 kgs. So if this man got precious metal, he got 23 kgs of gold. Hunt your neighbor say, that's high. That's, that's, not, that's not bad, bro. 23 kgs. That's not shabby. Tell them it's not shabby, man. 23 kgs. This man had something. Amen? And what he lost was not the gift. God is not saying take away his gift to be an artist and give it over here to a guy who's already an engineer uh, and, and a singer, and now he's going to be an engineer, a singer, and now an artist. He's got 10 of these talents. That's not what he's saying. He's saying take away the opportunity that I gave him and give it to a man who knows how to be faithful with opportunities. God will take away opportunities in a hurry from people who do not value opportunities. People who are not prepared. People who are not faithful with the opportunities that God gives them. God will take them and give them to someone who already has a multitude of opportunities. Because they value opportunities. Have you ever seen this one guy? I mean, he's already on TV, he's on radio, and now he gets to be on Facebook. (laughs) And you're thinking, but there's this other guy who doesn't have a single opportunity. The real difference is because the other guy with no opportunity, if we gave him an opportunity, he would be an embarrassment to the kingdom. Because when opportunity meets with unpreparedness and unfaithfulness, it's a global disaster. But when opportunity meets with faithfulness and preparation, it's called divine favor. And I always tell our pastors, be prepared in and out of season. Because when the preparation meets with an opportunity, records will be broken. And there was a man uh, uh, called Eric, Eric the Eel, from Senegal. So this dude had never seen a swimming pool in his life. And then the Olympics at the time, they used to have what was called the wild card. So they would just throw a wild card to a country. And then at this year, uh, they decided they were going to throw a wild card for breaststroke, 200 meters in the air. Boom, and it fell on Senegal. Ah. <laughs> and Senegal put it in the newspaper. They said, hey, if you can swim, come so you can represent us. And Eric the Eel wrote his motivation. You know, I used to swim uh, when I used to... You know, look after sheep and cows. And they said, this guy can swim. Bring him in. They brought him in and sent him. I'm telling you, go and Google it. Eric the Eel. Some of you looking at me like, pastor is lying. No, I'm not. Go and Google it. Eric the Eel, it's true. He went to the Olympics in Sydney, Australia. And then he went there and he didn't have to go through any of the things. And they had to do a hit. You know, the three of them. And the man was standing at the pool. And they said, go. I mean, the man went into the swimming pool and almost drowned. (laughs) Halfway. 
You know why? There was a great opportunity, but zero preparation. And it was a national embarrassment. Amen? And then God will say, take that talent, take that opportunity, and give it to Mike Phelps. And then the church will be like, oh, but this guy, you know, we know this guy, he doesn't have a single talent. No, God is not into waste. He will take opportunities and give them to people who are prepared. Okay, all right, moving right along. Let's go now to Genesis, chapter number 1, verse 26. Man, just stay ready. Stay ready. God never wastes a prepared vessel. He will open doors for you. Genesis, chapter number 1, from verse 26 to 28. Watch what it says. And God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man twofold. First, he created them in his image. An image speaks of the nature of God. And God is a spirit. Amen? The Bible says in John chapter number 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. So if he created you and me in his image, he created us to be spirit as well. So the real you is not the person you see in the mirror. The real you is the spirit. And the other fold he created them was after his likeness. Likeness speaks of how God functions. Not only is God a spirit, God is a speaking spirit. So whatever God releases, he created the whole universe through talking. And so can you. Because God created you to be a speaking spirit. So the words that you speak in the marketplace hold weight. Because there is uh, life and death resident in your tongue. Proverbs 18 verse 21. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You need to learn how to use words. This is why when Moses was going to uh, deliver the children of Israel from Pharaoh, God said, I will give you the words to speak. And I was speaking with Henry when he went for his uh, 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 interview, for his visa interview to go overseas. Uh, Man, he was telling me the questions that they were asking him. And I was like, man, if they had asked me these questions, I wouldn't have answered them correctly. How did you get this word? And how did you? He says, Pastor, I've been you know, speaking favor over this interview, and God said, hey, I will give you the words. And in that moment, as he opened his mouth, he spoke the right things. And as you go into the marketplace, you need the wisdom of speaking the right things, of releasing the the right words over your career. Amen? Next verse. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Next verse. And God blessed them. Someone shout, I'm blessed. Beyond measure. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be what? Fruitful and do what? Multiply and do what? Replenish the earth and do what? Subdue it. In other words, God could have planted the whole earth. But he decided to plant a garden. And used it as a prototype for what he wanted men to do. He gave man the Garden of Eden and said, now, you make it international. And when God gives you a dream 
for your business or a business idea, it's not going to come as this one big dream. It comes as a prototype. And this is where you need to value and, 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 and honor and not despise the days of humble beginnings. Let's go to Zechariah chapter number 4 verse 10. Thank you. Thank you. I paid her to say that. <laughs> Zechariah chapter number 4 verse 10. Um, do you have it in the message Bible? Let's see. What did it look like? Okay, no. Let's go to the New King James. <laughs> New King James. For who has despised the day of small beginnings? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. If you read in the New Living Translation, it says, Do not despise the days of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And here it talks about the plumb, plumb line. We call, it, we call it spirit level. God is saying, man, he rejoices just seeing you leave the house with the spirit level. He rejoices just seeing you take a step of faith and say, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to start this career by faith. God rejoices when you don't despise the day of small beginnings because everything with God starts as a seed. And a lot of people are not faithful with the little things because they haven't mastered the, the science and the technology of seed. Everything with God starts as a seed. And when it germinates, it will bring forth first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It's always in stages. So, you know, God, some of you are graduates and God has told you you're going to be CEO. You're not going to come straight from Vitz to CEO. <laughs> Trust me with your degreed self. <laughs> doctorate, right? Who am I studying a doctorate? With your doctorate self. When you join the organization, you will find people like me with 10 years experience. And we will test you. We will test your faithful. We will ask you to make us a cup of coffee. And if you don't, with your degreed self, we will not show you the ropes of the game. Because there are certain things you need to know. And the only way you can know it is by being faithful, being respectful, and understanding that there is a day of small beginnings. Yeah. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. Let's go now to Genesis chapter number 14, verse 13. It's interesting when you're dealing with money. Just look up for a second. Just look up. It's interesting when you're dealing with money because the church... I think the pastors of old uh, had seen so many people corrupted and destroyed by money, so they just decided to tell people to stay away from it and didn't teach them how to handle the money. It's like a fire. When you see a house being burned down by a fire, and you just say to everyone, you know what, we're going to stay away from this fire thing. That's what the church did without realizing the power that money has. Money has power to change people's lives. Money is a tool to change nations, to change communities. And we need to teach people how to handle money. God does not have a problem with you having money. Lots of it. His problem is when the money starts having you. Okay, let's go to 
uh, Genesis chapter number 14. From verse 13. It's interesting that when God created the garden, he told Adam and Eve that they could eat of the whole garden and not of one tree. Logic would say, hey, God, if you don't want me to eat this fruit, don't put it in the garden. Keep it in heaven, right? But what God wanted to do was to give them an opportunity to exercise their free will. Because God had blessed men with free will. The ability to choose, we are free will moral agents. The ability to choose to obey him or not to obey him. And whatever you choose, God will let you have it. So God wants you to have that opportunity to make a choice. But for you to make an informed choice, I have to teach you what the Bible says. And you can take it or reject it. You know, one of the things we uh, get a compliment for in this church is that it's so clear. You know, I don't have to walk out of here. Someone came and said, Pastor T, what I like about the church is I don't have to walk out of here thinking. uh, What was that? Is that God? Okay, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I think there's a mic somewhere that's on. Someone came to me. They said, hey, Pastor, you know, um, what's interesting is that you know, the church that I used to go to, and I'm not knocking them down, I used to walk out thinking, what does that mean? But out here, I walk out with, I know everything that man was saying. That's where the power is, in the simplicity of the gospel. Not complexity, because the gospel is simple. Jesus was a simple man. He used parables so that everybody could understand. Amen? Watch what he says in Genesis chapter number 14, verse 13. This is when Abraham was going to uh, rescue Lot. Then the one we had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the Terenbith, trees of Mamre, and the Amorite, brother of Esco, and brother of Anna. And they were allies with Abram. And now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 380, 18 trained servants, who were born in his own house. Man, this dude had a big house. Man, if you have a poverty mindset, you can't can't read this. He had 317 soldiers who were born in his house. Well, pastor, you know, God just wants us to go through this earth as pilgrims so that one day... When we get to the sweet by and by, on the other side, things will get better. Well, here is a dude called the father of the faithful. Who are the faithful? Us. Your father had a house that could house 317 men. 18? Oh, man. (laughs) I was one short. 318 men could live in his house with their wives and children. Man, you're preaching. You're preaching better than you preaching <laughs> with their wives and children in his house. This man was not poor, and some people think Jesus was poor. 
Jesus couldn't have been poor. He looked after 12 grown men for three and a half years. Can you look after 12 grown men for a weekend? Or for lunch? Can you take 12 grown men for Shisanyam? 12. Man, God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have material things. The only thing is he does not want material things to have us. There's a Nigerian proverb that says, love is good when you have money. Amen. Ain't nothing going on with the rent. You got to have a J-O-B if you want to be with me. You remember the song? Love is better when you have money. Amen. What verse am I on? 14. Okay. Verse 15, he divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods. How many? All the goods. And also brought back his brother Lot and his goods. Not just Lot. Lot and his goods. Amen? As well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Cheddar something, Chedolama, and the kings who were with him, Abraham and Meshuzedek, verse 18. Then Meshuzedek, the king of Salem, Meshuzedek is a type of Messiah. You know, he's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Amen. The king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. This is what you need to realize when you go into the marketplace. You are not winning because of your own ingenuity. You are winning because God has delivered all your enemies into your hands. Or all the problems that you are faced with, it is God who gives you the wisdom. The gifts and talents that you have, it is God who has given them to you. And what do you do to acknowledge that? Watch what he did. And Abraham gave him a tithe of all. The reason you give 10% to God is not because God is broke. I used to go to this church uh, when I was young and I grew up in there. When I got my first job, I was in that church and I used to tithe in that church. And then a time came when I left that church and moved to this church. And I found out last week that they are still having church at that church (laughs) without my tithe. They even built a new rectory. Without, they're crazy. They're doing amazing. Without my money. You know why? Because when you give your tenth, it is not because the church needs the money. It is because you need to acknowledge that God is your source as you do it. And when you acknowledge that God is your source, he tells you what to do with the rest. Let's go to First Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17. And then we'll come back to Genesis and we'll close. I have only five minutes? Four, four minutes, okay. 
1 Timothy 6.17 in the New King James Bible. 1 Timothy 6.17. <clears throat> Watch what it says. You can look up. He says command. Can you see? Yeah. Is everybody, can, can everybody see what's written over here? Okay. He says command those who are rich in this present age to give up their riches. Is that what he say? Okay, give it to me in the NIV. Let's read it in the NIV. Command those who are rich in this present world to give up all their riches looking forward to when we get to heaven. Is that what he say? Because here, the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy how to deal with the rich people in the church. Because the church at Ephesus had a lot of rich cats. And apparently, the Apostle Paul didn't have a problem with it. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, I hope you don't have a problem with rich, with rich people. He says, command those or teach those who are rich in this present world not to be what? Man, he doesn't have a problem with you having money. He only has a problem when the arrogance creeps in. So how does he keep you humble? He says, acknowledge me as your source. So the benefit of the tithe is more on you than it is on God. It's more on your heart than it is on God. To keep you steady. And he says, nor put their hope in wealth. He says, command those who are rich not to put their trust in uncertain riches. God doesn't have a problem with you having riches, but he has a serious problem with you putting your trust in riches. Man, this is why people can't sleep. They need sleeping tables to go to sleep. Can't keep a good meal down from houses worrying about your money. It is because you have not honored God as your source. You think the money in your bank is your source, and when it starts running out, you panic. But when you know God is your source, even when the money goes, you know, as long as the source leaves, I'll be alright. He says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who does what? Who richly, someone say richly, richly. not sparingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She say God sparingly. No, you know, could sun zero. <laughs> God is counting, you know, pennies to try. No. He says God richly provides us with everything for our what? Enjoyment. I didn't hear that. Enjoyment. Come on, preach with me. Enjoyment. For our what? Enjoyment. I cannot hear it. So apparently, God does not have a problem with you enjoying those riches. Did you see it? But how do you enjoy it? You honor him first and declare him your source. And he says you can use the rest to enjoy. You know, I was dropping off my daughter on Friday uh, to school. And she says, Daddy, you know what? And I said, what? She says, I miss Sun City. And I was like, what do you miss about Sun City? She says, I miss riding the bus and eating the ice cream. That's what money is for. For your enjoyment. God God wants you to enjoy the money. And he's talking about enjoying it 
in light of the world. The religious world has sold a lie. They have told people that, you know, once you become a Christian, there is no place for joy. Even David would enjoy life. He said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be what? I will rejoice. I will have some joy in it. Man, we need to get to a place where we start enjoying life. Enjoying people. Man, I just don't love my wife. I also enjoy her. I just don't love my kids. I also enjoy their company. And God does not have a problem with you enjoying. You know, Henry started this little thing where the people in, in Douglasdale. Man, that's crazy. It's amazing how the Bible actually spoke about that in Deuteronomy 8.18. He says, after you've built your nicely homes and you've moved to Douglasdale, <laughs> thou shalt also remember the Lord, for it is what? He who gives you the what? The power to create wealth. So these people, these bougie people have a little thing that they do on Mondays. So they go and have sushi. For half price, they can't be bougie. <laughs> So I was talking to Pastor Dave, and I was telling Pastor Dave, you know what? I can't believe these people go out every Monday to eat raw meat. And Pastor Dave was like, you know what? I like sushi. I was like, really? Like, yeah. He was like, hey, you know what? We should go and eat sushi tonight. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. He says, are you a chicken? I said, no, now that you challenge my courage, I'm going to eat it. So we went out, and man, we were just chatting up and hanging out with their life group, and you know, that's what money is for, so we can enjoy each other's company. Amen. Amen. It is not to give you stress and worry. And sometimes, you know, we only think that it's the rich people who are bound by money. Sometimes it's the poor people, because their covetousness is at high levels, because they're consistently just thinking about getting it. You know, at least rich people know, you know, I got a lot of it and it didn't do much for me, so they're delivered from it. Sometimes, man, we, we just get so caught up with money. And God says, hey, bring a portion of what you have and honor me as your source. Yeah, and put your heart in the kingdom. So as you go into the marketplace, you need to realize that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? If you put your treasure... Better known as money. Mucho dinero. <laughs> Amen? You didn't know I could speak Corsa, right? <laughs> when you put the money in the kingdom, your heart will be in the kingdom. <laughs> Ladies, if you want him to think about you, just take his wallet and go to the shops. Man, that dude, that dude will be watching soccer meditating about you. You know why? Because where his treasure is, that's where his heart is. And if you take his treasure and put it in your backpack, his heart is now in your backpack. Amen. Man, you'll be thinking about, you'll be calling you every 10 minutes. Yeah, 
Hey, honey, just checking to see if you are. Just checking to see if you are doing all right. Just want to make sure you are safe. Because <laughs> you have the wallet. Okay, let's go back and finish this thing. Oh, 11.45? Okay, let's stand. We're out of time. Man, we're supposed to finish at 11.40. Okay, let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, God is good. God does not have a problem with you making money. He has a problem with you getting the money to start control your life and dominating your life and dominating your thoughts. Money is a tool that God has given us. Amen? So we can bless each other. So we can bless the kingdom of God. God does not have a problem with you going on a vacation. Man, you need to take a vacation and enjoy what God has blessed you with. You know, we always say this to people who are married. Minister to one another and use the resources that God has given you to do so. Minister to your children. Don't spoil them, but minister to them. You know, by using what God has put in your hand. Hallelujah. He doesn't have a problem with us enjoying. He has a problem with us being prideful and with us putting our trust in the money. But when we use that money in the correct way, God does not have a problem with it. We're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, I thank you that as they go into the marketplace, you may bless them beyond measure. Lord, I thank you that your divine favor will encompass them, surround them as with a shield. Lord, I thank you that your divine favor will be as an aroma, a perfume, a cologne around them. That everywhere they go, they attract favor. Lord, I thank you for promotion to those who are faithful. Even as you said in your word in Colossians 3.23, I release the anointing of hard work. You said whatsoever you find your hands to do, do it as unto the Lord. And Lord, I pray that these, your children, will be obsessed with the spirit of excellence. Knowing that every work that they do is their fingerprint on it. Father, we thank you that for those who are faithful, you are entrusting to them and into their hands much. You say it in your word, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And as a stream, you direct it whichever direction you please. Lord, I thank you that all the gatekeepers will release favor for these, your children. I remove every obstacle. I remove every, every blockage to their progress in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that increase belongs to them. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone shout, Amen. amen. Shout, promotion is mine. Promotion is mine. Increase is mine. Increase is mine. Shout, in this season, in this season I, will receive favor I will receive favor from all directions. Shout, I speak favor over the families of all my gatekeepers. 
Man, instead of complaining about people that are not signing your papers off, pray for them. Release favor for their families. Release a blessing over their lives. And as you do that, God will begin to channel their heart to work in your favor. Someone shout, Father, I release all strife from my heart. And sometimes I do this. The prophetic gift in me, sometimes I just have to say things as the Holy Spirit gives them to me. Some of you are holding a lot of grudge in your heart. And it's like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. You need to release the people that have hurt you. Ask yourself an honest question. If I meet them in the mall today, will I greet them? Will I hug them? Will I embrace them? Will I wish them well? And if you can't do it, it's about time you release them. Because it's stopping the flow of God in your life. I just had to say that. If you're here and you have trust in God for a job, you're trusting God for a promotion, we already prayed for the business people, but we want to pray for those of you who are trusting God for a job or a promotion. We want to pray for you right now. Just, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for these, your children. Father, we thank you that you and you only can open a door that no man can close. Father, we pray right now that as they go into the marketplace, you may order their steps. Even as you said in Psalm 37, verse 23, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are ordering their steps in their direction of their destiny. That they will not miss their Kairos moment in the marketplace. But Father, that they will meet the exact person you want them to meet at the exact time you want them to meet them to effect this promotion and to effect this job opportunity. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have prayed and everyone said, Amen. If you are a businessman and you have submitted something and it's pending, we want to pray for it right now. Just lift your hand. We want to release it. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for every pending issue in the marketplace. We release your favor right now over the gatekeepers, over the families of the gatekeepers. Father, we release a blessing. We pray for them. We speak wisdom into their lives. And Father, we also speak favor over every paperwork that has already been submitted. Father, we thank you that it will be signed, sealed, and delivered. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have sickness and pain in your body, we want to pray for you before we go. Just stretch your hands if you are near them. Put your hands on them. The Bible says believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Right now we release life. We release life. Body, I command you to line up with God's word. Be loosed from all infirmity. Be healed right now in Jesus name. Thank you for doing it Lord. In Jesus name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And everyone say, Amen. Father, we thank you and we give you praise. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you and have a super 
califragilistic expialidocious, weak, 